Good morning. It is Kale and Company live on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. A delight to have you with us. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at Delta Dental Covers Me. And uh, very happy to say that returning for today's program is our good friend and the author of the revised edition of Love Your Body, Your Path to Transformation, Health, and Hearing, the internationally renowned Dr. Barry Taylor. Good morning. (laughs) Good morning to you, sir. Good to hear your voice. Well, it's always great to hear yours. And, uh, you know, we are still, I I would consider us uh, still young men in the overall scheme of things. But today we're going to uh, talk about a a topic uh, that, uh, you know, includes aging and what it means to age gracefully. And we're going Mm. to delve into that on uh, on today's program. So, So what does it? mean to age gracefully? Light-hearted topic for our listeners to scratch their heads as we scratch our heads. <laughs> what does it mean to age gracefully? Oh, boy. That's wow. the question before the jury mm. today. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Is there a jury? Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, so, um, <clears throat> I have this thought, Ken, that we human beings at this moment, at least here on the side of the planet that you and I live on, uh, are in somewhat of a rat race of doing more, accomplishing more. Um, uh, How much can we get done? Uh, The more we get done, the more successful we think we are. And I have a thought that people are more focused on quantity than quality. And I think aging gracefully has something to do with noticing and intending uh, the quality of your life, not just the quantity of your life. Uh, now, these are just thoughts. These are not like the truth. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, you and I love, at least I love to talk to you. Um, uh, so, so it's not like, you know, I, I'm sharing tons of facts, although I have a number of tips as this show gets going that I want to include for our listeners. But I have a thought that well-being, uh, the state of feeling healthy, the state of feeling happy, the state of feeling content, is a skill. You know, living is different than existing. Uh, creating a life filled with moments of joy and zest and having a sense of having enough um, uh, capacity for the energy of the enormity of life's challenges, oh my goodness gracious, of natural disasters and breakdowns and politics and some unbelievable things that we do to ourselves and the earth, that living a life filled with zest and joy and having the sense that we're confident we can meet those challenges has something to do with aging gracefully. It's just my, my musings of the morning. Um, and that aging gracefully has something to do with organizing your life with some intention, uh, adventure, um, curiosity, not like, I know how to do this, uh, but to live our lives that we're optimizing our chances of dying in the sleep. I know that's a big, truly topic, 
dying in your sleep, rather than um, most of us statistically are going to be ravaged by disease and suffer in a lot of pain, uh, and, and then we take our last breath. Oh, my God. No. No, it doesn't sound like a good deal. Um, so I'm looking at <clears throat> a report I read. 76% of Americans report moderate or significant loneliness. Doesn't that seem like a ridiculously high number? 76%? 76% lonely. Of Americans. And, if, you know, you, you, you're a radio man of decades of experience. I mean, you're so out there in the world more than just being a hockey nut and super champion fan of, of all sorts of levels of hockey. You, you know that the rates of depression and anxiety and people who have all sorts of different, they're on the spectrum of distractibility, uh, you know, those numbers are skyrocketing of, of people who, you know, are, are somewhat significantly behind the eight ball. And, and it, it's, we're looking at well-being. If we look at contentment, having some more sense of peace, if we're looking at depression, anxiety as signs of the decline of well-being in our culture, um, I'm offering us to talk about and uh, glee about and, and, and create together. The good news is that we can cultivate well-being, this state of being more comfortable, happy, content, healthy. Um, and here's my thought for you, Ken. Ready? A hundred years ago, we humans didn't think about brushing our teeth. Hundreds of years ago, can you get that? Can you get behind me? Yes. Hundreds of years ago, hundreds, people hundreds did not of years brush ago. Right, right. Yeah, hundreds yeah. Of, and now at least in a lot of civilized cultures, maybe not in some places, you know, where there isn't an internet, if there's a place on the planet that there isn't an internet. So maybe some places in the jungle, you know, which is less cultivated, civilized society. But regardless of where on the planet, you and I could make up that most human beings in civilized cultures all over the planet brush their teeth. Just as a statement. Most people brush their teeth. So using that as a possibility, then I'm going to propose this radical idea that taking care of our well-being, taking care of contentment and this physical machine, uh, I, you know, a number of shows that you and I have done, I've talked about our machine as a Bentley, as a Rolls Royce, people driving their machine like it's a Kia. And if you had a Bentley or a Rolls Royce and you didn't follow the manual, you might not wonder why it sputtered and spit and, you know, why the muffler didn't work. So I'm looking at the joy I have in coaching, teaching, constantly learning more about how to have a relationship with our physical body and how to have a relationship with our life that has us feel more nourished with the kind of energy that we can know how to meet the challenges that life presents us. And there's tons of science, there's tons of, quote, medical scientific research about the way our mind, the way we think, what I'm going to use a term called our mindset, M-I-D, M-I-N-D, mindset, and the physical habits, you know, you know me, I'm not getting religious like everyone should go away from stop coffee or no one should smoke cigarettes or no one should have sugar or no one... I'm not into the no one kind of philosophy. 
I'm more into the, if we understood some more about how our physical body worked in relationship to life, uh, we, we might have more of an adventure of this idea we started the show with of longevity or how to age more gracefully as opposed to the way it seems like most of our relatives, friends, workmates age, which is the decade of the 50s is harder than the 40s and the decade of the 60s is harder than the 50s and the decade of the 70s is way harder than the 60s. And if you make it to your 80, it's like, are you going to work every day? You know, are you really going to climb that mountain and go on those hikes? Or are we organizing our life and our habits like as we get older, we believe that we have to get sicker? You know, like that's a belief system that we all look out in life. And as, as people get older, like the machine is built to break down as opposed to just go to sleep and die peacefully. So that's a, a long-winded intro to some tips I want to offer you and I and our listeners about the possibility of relating to your body and life about without being a purist, yeah. without being you know a religious fanatic. Uh, how could we relate to this machine called our body and the way we work and love and have friends and hobbies? where we have the kinds of thought process and mental practices that contribute. So science is now telling us all these millions of dollars of research. It's not disease research, right? We're not looking at cancer, arthritis, or diabetes, that disease. We're looking at the research that's being put into aging and having longevity be something different than as you get older, you have to get sicker. And so I'm excited about that. I thought I'd share with you lots of different things about that. So aging gracefully involves both physical and psychological aspects of our lives. It could, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Dr. Barry Taylor is with us. We're coming up to our first break. And uh, Dr. Barry is the author of a, a great book. It's been out in the revised fashion for oh, at least a couple of years now. It's Love Your Body. Your path to transformation, health, and hearing. You can check that out and uh, other things on uh, Dr. Barry's website, drbarrytaylor.com. We will take a break. Kale and Company Live right here, WKXLNHTalkRadio.com, proudly presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Very happy to be joined today by Dr. Barry Taylor. Dr. Barry, the author of Love Your Body, Your Path to Transformation, Health, and Healing. We're talking about aging gracefully. And I, yeah. I, I think my assessment is uh, uh, we're doing that well, Dr. Barry, I, I think. Uh, I, you know, I like to, uh, you know, cherish each day and, uh, you know, just take advantage of, uh, of you know, I, I don't want to, this sounds like it's morbid, but, you know, take advantage of uh, the best we can, the time that we have left. And, uh, you know, you can't predict what's what's going to happen in the future. So I my philosophy is, you know, take advantage of uh, every moment we possibly can. Right. And, and in the last, uh, you know, I, don't, I think it's more than five years, Ken, I'm going to go 10 or 15 years, 
there's a lot of research that's been done on the attitude of gratitude. What you appreciate, appreciate. But scientifically, we're talking about medical research on the effects of um, positive attitudes, and we're not talking about airy-fairy, California pie-in-the-sky kind of, you know, it's, it's really, it's raining, storming out, and can't you see the sun? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what you said, you know, just waking up in a mindset of appreciating the gift that life could be today, and what is the opportunity to serve another, to contribute to another? What's the opportunity to appreciate what's working, not just look at what's not working? So I look at the therapy and healing and workshops, oh my God, the, the, what I've learned in some of the scripting that I got from my parents, <clears throat> which was somewhat of a very problem-oriented, what's wrong, what we can do about that, what we need to fix. <clears throat> it's deeply threaded through an allopathic drug-surgical model where you don't go to good, good, well-meaning, well-trained, brilliant doctors for preventive medicine. I mean, you know, preventive medicine is an interesting word, but it doesn't really exist much in our culture. Most um, of the doctoring that we go to is in, is in disease management, not health promotion. Now, I know a doctor might give you a vaccine for this or something like that, but the vast amount of conversations and money that we spend, the time, energy, and money that we spend with doctoring is because something's wrong, and we call them up, we go in to see them, we need a test or we don't, and they give us advice to take a pill or don't take a medicine, and it's to get rid of something. It's, there isn't the follow-up of you've got a bunch of bronchitis or you've got COVID a couple of times or you've got a, you know, other than maybe a vaccine of, what is the way you're eating? What's the way you're thinking? What's the way you're exercising? It's, it's just not the core of medicine. So you're saying what you said a few moments ago of, of relating to life like, I don't know whether I'm going to wake up tomorrow. And of course, you and I don't think about that, right? We're not thinking about, so for me, it isn't morbid, Ken. It's just being present today like, I get to speak to Ken Kale. How good is that? He's like, what a, what a great way to start the day. I get to hear Ken's deep, booming, baritone voice. I'm looking forward to that. So it's about sometimes acknowledging the smallest things. I don't want to minimize your voice quality, Ken, as small, because for me it's big. But I appreciate what you said. And thank you for letting me make you laugh. That, you know, partnering with your body, listening to your body, listening to life, learning how to respond proactively, not just reacting to what's not working. Now, that's for me is all part of a newer mindset of aging gracefully. What is this world of longevity? Living with more quality, <clears throat> not just I've got to live till I'm 85 or 90, but the years that I do live, how can I have my body carry me with my legs and my feet? You know, how can I use my hands? So another concept to throw out for the listeners is that you and I grew up in a world of genetics, right? You have blue eyes or brown eyes and, you know, your hair did or didn't fall out. No comments, Ken. Um, you, know, you, you know, you have a certain kind of genetic predisposition. Cat does, I do. And to some large degree... <clears throat> When, how you live and how you die 
was in a genetic conversation. You have a certain DNA, you have certain amounts, and they're programmed, right, conditioned for what happens or doesn't happen to you. The newer model, easily in the last 20 years, plus or minus, which again is getting an enormous amount of money thrown at it from medical researchers, not just new age thinkers, is the term epigenetics. You know that term, Ken? No, epigenetics? I, I do not. I do not. Yeah, epigenetics, the epi is the daily behaviors are much more influential. The behaviors in your life, food habits, exercise habits, meditation habits, <clears throat> have enormous influence on how your genes express. In the older model, it's you have these genes, so that's why you have blue eyes, or that's why you have cancer, or that's why you have diabetes. Diabetes skips generations, and lots and lots of factoids, pieces of information that are related to genetic predispositions. Now, what's being spoken about in the last couple of decades, widely researched, is that epigenetics, food, exercise, um, different things that you do or don't do, influence which genes are going to get expressed and which ones you might have a tendency to express, but they're actually not going to manifest. So instead of just saying, oh, that happened to you, say cancer or diabetes or something, because it's in my genes, the world of medicine, despite it, despite it being still extremely disease-oriented and not health promotion much at all, <clears throat> unless you're practicing naturopathic or functional medicine, is discussing issues of what's this person's lifestyle? without making you've got to eat this and you should never eat this. And there are lots and lots of, you know, research about, we'll get into some of this in, you know, the next few moments before the end of this show. But the idea that epigenetics is as or more powerful than genetics. Mm. Wow. Your day-to-day choices of what you eat, don't eat, exercise, don't eat, how you think, how you don't think, how you express your anger, how you suppress your anger, all of those now have been proven for many years and will continue to have enormous enlightenment about it's not just genetics are fixed. It's what are we doing to light those genetic tendencies up that those will get expressed and those don't. So I've said things for a couple of decades to kind of tickle and make some of my patients that are sitting across from me interested in their power to affect their colitis and their asthma and their eczema and their migraines and their predisposition to cancer and their heart disease is so much greater than they realize. I'll say something like, you know, I don't know how to change your blue eyes to brown. By the way, your blue eyes are gorgeous. I don't know why I would change your blue eyes to brown. But I think in the next five or 10 or 20 years, sometime very, very soon, medical science is going to come up with how to change the tendency, which we don't know now. If your eyes are blue, they stay blue. If your eyes are brown, they stay brown. But if in the world of epigenetics, I have told people for a very long time, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody comes up with a way of using your brain to direct that genetic material so that you can 
change the color of your eyes. Wow. Now, I don't know why we would need to change the color of your eyes, but I say it so that people get a sense that their Crohn's and colitis and arthritis, regardless of the medical statistics of this is what happens. Remember, those doctors are just throwing drugs. They're just doing surgery. They're not really dealing with the epigenetic choices that their own science is saying has enormous impact. So I think there are a lot of things you and I can discuss in the next few moments about what are some important choices that can affect aging gracefully, can affect longevity, so we're not just living as fast and furious as we can, hoping that we don't get sick. I'm old enough to remember the song by Crystal Gale, Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue. It may happen. It may happen one of these days, folks. Ten years too much. <laughs> Dr. Your Barry. memory is good. <laughs> so on, uh, for some things. Dr. Yeah. Barry Taylor is with us, and uh, he is exploring aging gracefully today on Kale & Company, something we all strive to do. Some do it better than others, I guess. Kale and Company will continue after these words with Dr. Barry right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are powered by our good friends at Northeast Delta Dental. Stay with us. Welcome back. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. So glad that you decided to join us on this day and uh, share some thoughts with Dr. Barry Taylor, our guest, who has been with us before and will be with us again for many years uh, on this program. I guess the word of the day is epigenetic or epigenetics. And yeah. I, I just, uh, dur during the break, I, I looked it up and just yeah. sim simply put, something that we do not have in our genes and we can still pass on to our children. So it's not in our DNA, but we can right. still pass it along to our kids. Right. True, true, true. Yeah, we, we are more than the sum of the parts, and we are more than just our DNA. Uh, and it's uh, new ideas in the last 20 years that are getting more respect. We can influence genetic expression. That's epigenetics. So here are some tips. Let's, let's get practical for some people so we're not just waxing on philosophically about context. Uh, and um, so one of the things about aging gracefully and longevity, Ken, is about steady blood sugar. One of the things is about eating smaller meals more frequently. We've done shows on that before. Uh, I call it grazing rather than dieting. Eating smaller meals more frequently uh, I'm, I talk, and we, I think we've done shows, um, if not, maybe we could do one, on systematic under-eating rather than how many people you and I know are overfed and undernourished. Yeah. We're looking about how the body's digestive system takes enormous amounts of energy, and something like intermittent fasting, which doesn't mean you have 8, 10, 12 hours of not eating and then you eat junk, it just means that you eat breakfast and dinner and maybe you have a protein drink in the afternoon or you're not having three square meals a day and a snack mid-morning, snack mid-afternoon. 
But there's a lot of work done in, in scientific literature about blood sugar stability, people's hypoglycemia, people's predisposition to diabetes. And if you regulate blood sugar, whether you have mid-morning, mid-afternoon protein snacks, or you do intermittent fasting in a healthy way, that it has profound um, effects on um, aging well, so that you're not living on adrenaline. You're not pushing, pushing, pushing your body with caffeine and willpower. You're actually using blood sugar, blood glucose to power you up in different ways. So another big chunk for people is to appreciate the distinction between stress and distress. So I've said on shows with you before, you know, if we laid in a hammock all day long, um, you know, um, uh, sipping on delicious tea or lemonade, you know, we might have a, um, a stress lines on our butt. It, it, life is not successful when you don't have stress. Stress might be inherent especially when you love to grow and you love to learn and you love to stretch. But stress is different than distress. And when so many people in our culture say, well, uh, that was very stressful for me, or why I say, why do you think you have headaches? Or why do you think you're so tired late in the afternoon? Somebody will say, well, it's stress. And I will reframe that for them, that it's not stress, it's distress. You haven't learned to bring resources to whatever the demand is. So life is not successful. We don't live longer or with more quality, with more energy, by avoiding stress. I, we, we can't avoid stress is one point of view, but we can avoid how to constantly have destructive effects of distress. And is that walking, is that journaling, is that Tai Chi, is that dancing, is it swimming, is it using a rebounder, is it walking, is it um, looking at a picture of your grandson? I'm going to Dallas uh, to see Mac Ken in a little bit. So oh, great, great. Yeah. So, you know, is it you're a pet, you know, you're an animal lover and you spend time with animals. You know, how do you um, put moments of... Um, ways that you connect to something larger than whatever the conversation is that's hooking you. It's not about never getting hooked by what's going on in politics or what's going on in earthquakes or how people are treating one another or different murder trials that are going on now in the country. Oh, my God. I mean, it, I mean, if somebody said they weren't hooked from time to time, I'd wonder if they were a robot or not. I mean, it's not about never getting hooked. It's about how do you replenish yourself? You know, what kinds of time do you take to pray or to connect to nature or to connect to whatever it is that's going to kind of open your heart so that you're not so stuck? And by the way, I can get stuck in my head as frequently as anyone else. It's not like I don't get stuck in my head. But there's this book by Candace Perk called Molecules of Emotion. You'd love it, Ken. It was published uh, many years ago. It's a neuroscience uh, book about how we talk, how we say things to ourselves, how we say things to others. It's, it's the psychoimmunology. It's how what you say to yourself, your self-talk, people who are negative, um, you know, people who say, no, you, you speak to them, and when they speak back to you, they start, they respond with a negative. Yeah. 
you know, some some people, but they're not 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 necessarily negative people. It's not like they're good people. Or it's not like they're they're a bad person. It's they don't realize the power of language. So this book, The Molecules of Emotion, is a book on the relationship between your immune system, how um, responsive you are to COVID, how resistant you are to allergies, how resistant you are to certain immune breakdowns by speech, by, by how you talk. So self-care, um, um, uh, aging gracefully, longevity, I think, is about prioritizing self-care. It's not a, and, and so many people who come to see me, I, you know, I'm very blessed. I see patients from all over the world, Zoom, talking. I evaluate their vitamins and minerals. I coach them in different ways. For some people, they are so busy and so over-scheduled. They're so over-committed. It could be over-committed with their church or their temple. It could be over-committed with their children. It could be over-committed with their job. But we human beings sometimes have find it hard. Some people find it easy. Some people find it a joy. Some people, it's a real stretch, Ken, to find time to love themselves, to have a more fulfilling, aging, graceful life. They're so busy with the, the you know what I'm talking about? I life do. is just I busy. Do. Yeah. You know, life, life's just, you know, and, and they're programmed that now they've conditioned their head that their parents pushed them to achieve, or maybe their parents didn't. But, you know, they're now stuck in a rut, like, like, a, like a little rodent in, in a spinning wheel of doing, 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 doing. And, and to just chill is to have time for reflection and creativity or fun, to have some real relaxing moments to replenish and replete themselves can be difficult. I know lots of really wonderful people who are so depleted that they need more than sleep, which comes to another thing about longevity or aging gracefully. 70 million Americans suffer from poor sleep. It's a very big number, very big number. Sleeping well, a lot of research shows, more than seven hours of really deep sleep affects the heart, hormones, immune function, depression, high blood pressure, even has some shown to decrease cancer statistics. Really good sleep, not like go to sleep at 2 o'clock in the morning and wake up at 9 in the morning. I'm talking about getting in bed at 9, 10, 11. You don't have to get in bed at 8, 39. But getting to bed earlier and having really solid sleep uh, is one of the most helpful things that shows people living well into their 60s, 70s, and 80s. Did you know that, Ken, how important sleep is? I, I realize how important it is. I, I'm not sure I get enough of it myself, uh, and yeah. that's that's my own doing. I mean, that's my own doing. Yeah. Nobody is forcing me to, uh, to stay up uh, uh, late at night, but sometimes I do stay up later yeah. than I should to get up at the time in the morning that I have to uh, to, to get into the show. But, uh, you know, yep. you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, it, it, it is very important. And, uh, you know, are there people, and, you know, I fall into this category, Dr. Barry. I have a difficulty uh, getting to sleep sometimes with, and I know, you know, this probably goes against, you know, everything, but without having something on, like, like a radio, mm. a television, uh, whatever mm. it might be. Sometimes right. if it's completely silent, 
Yeah. I, I have trouble getting to sleep. Is okay. that is that a when common we, when thing? We, when we come back from the break, I hear the music coming up. Let's talk about that point and give people some sleep tips and aids to get to sleep easily. All okay. right. All right. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, we do have to take a break right here. We're talking about aging gracefully with Dr. Barry Taylor. He has authored a uh, terrific book that's been on the market for a while now, but uh, it's still as, uh, as, as, as important now, maybe even more so, than it's ever been. Love Your Body, Your Path to Transformation, Health and Hearing. Dr. Barry Taylor, and we will return right after these words. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Stand by for some sleeping tips. Just, just don't fall asleep, especially if you're driving. Welcome back. It is Kale and Company Live right here. WKXL NHTalkRadio.com where we're always concerned about your wellness and physical and mental well-being. It all ties together. And uh, that is why we have Dr. Barry Taylor on the program, author of uh, Love Your Body, Your Path to Transformation, Health and Hearing. Uh, Hearing. Healing. Healing. I have trouble hearing sometimes. As I age gracefully, I, I've been told that by a few people that my hearing, and I, I think that's genetic because I had uh, a, a mother and, and grandmother that were you know, a little bit on the hard of hearing side as well. So, uh, you know, that's that's genetic, uh, genetics, not epigenetic, but genetic, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, Ken, I, Ken, I'm so happy to hear that you had a mother and that you are not a test tube baby. And, um, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I know of, anyway. (laughs) Yes, health and healing. Okay, so you're one of the thousands, tens of thousands, multitude of people who need some noise in the background. Wow, when you go to sleep. Um, um, Yes. So here are some tips to, uh, not that that's a bad habit, you know, not that that's wrong, but here are some things. Get your pen out, Ken. I, it's out. out. It is out. I okay. always take scrupulous notes when you're on the show, Dr. Barry. Okay, so here are some possibilities. Do one of them. You don't have to do all of them. One, before you go to bed, journal. Write in a, write in a, in a journal or a diary for a minute, two minutes. doesn't have to be a 20-minute journal entry. <laughs> Just dump your mind. Two, an hour or two before you go to sleep, drink something called Sleepy Time Tea at your favorite health food store. There's a tea, tastes pretty good, called Sleepy Time. Three, eat an earlier, lighter dinner before 7 p.m. Alcohol, caffeine, and lots of food at 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night will make it harder to go to sleep or if you do get to sleep because you're easily, because you're so tired, if you've eaten a big meal at 8, 9, 9.30 at night, you are going to wake up. You're either going to sleep very lightly because you're digesting that food right. at 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, or you're going to wake up. Improve your calcium-magnesium intake. Have foods like carrot juice, almond butter, celery juice, goat cheese. Have foods dark green leafy vegetables that are high in magnesium. Calcium and magnesium are very, very important for the nervous system. People who have restless leg syndrome, people who have difficulty getting asleep, very possibly 
They just are not ingesting enough calcium. Women who are in their 50s, 60s, and 70s who have hip fractures and have all sorts of osteoporosis, they just don't have enough calcium. Have a routine before bed. Have some kind of routine where you power down. Don't watch some fabulous thrillers and horror movies and bad news of murder trials on your favorite news station. Before you go to sleep, for 15, 20 minutes minimum, maybe 30 minutes, but certainly for 10 or 15 minutes, have a routine more than just brushing your teeth and using a water pick and gargling and whatever you do before you put your jammies on and go to sleep. Have something, whether it's journaling or not, have a routine that's part of your intention to kind of let go of the day. Maybe you cross out with a yellow marker, things that you did, people you spoke to. It's just, oh, I did that, I did that, and I did that. Oh, I didn't do that. I'm putting that on tomorrow's to-do list. It's kind of a routine of getting complete with the day, some kind of bedtime routine to power down. Last two things for bedtime aid, sleeping aid. Generally speaking, people who exercise, two, three, four times a week have a better time sleeping. Lots of research of people who on a regular basis walk regularly, uh, jog, elliptical. You don't have to be an Olympic swimmer. Something about moving your body, not just once a week, doesn't have to be an hour, three times a week. It has to be 15, 20 minutes, two or three times a week. They generally sleep better. And as somebody who used to not exercise much at all and now kind of fell in love and having a love affair with moving my body, I can tell you that as I've exercised much more regularly over the years, my sleep is way, way better. Last thing. Here's a one for you to get try. Let's talk about this, Ken, next time we talk. I wonder where the elderberry, when does the elderberry wine come into this? <laughs> okay. Um, let, let me finish this joke and then we'll talk about elderberry wine. Okay. Hot, hot, and, hot and cold showers. You've heard of cold plunges, people going in cold baths? Yeah. You yeah. heard about that? Yeah. So do it in the shower, Ken. Put the shower on as hot as you can, no burning. Yelling, screaming, chanting, and singing is always allowed. Turn, and that's a 30 seconds to a minute. Turn the shower as cold as you can front of your body, back of your body, do a couple of rounds, hot, cold, hot, cold, always finish with cold. Increased circulation, not only has you deal with New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and anywhere else on the planet that's really, really cold, better, but it also, because your circulation during the day is so much better, helps you release muscular tension, you'll sleep better. Now, what I think you and I should do is take a small plastic glass of elderberry wine and drink it while we're having the hot and cold shower. Now, there How you go. Now, I, I think that's, that that's the ticket right there. That is, yep, yeah. drinking in the shower. <laughs> there you go. But, you know, it's funny. You, you should say that about a shower before going to bed. Because, yeah. uh, now, this is maybe too much information for our listening yeah. audience, but it's, 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 just, it's just you and me chatting. Uh, okay. but, yeah, yeah. but I don't normally... Take a Uh-oh. shower before I go to bed. No, yes. It's not a normal thing that I yes. do. But 
Yes. There were yeah. certain times in my life, and you know, not in the distant past, but yeah. then you sometimes you come in from something, like you're yeah. at an event in an event with a lot of people or something like that, and you you feel a little dirty. If you've been on the subway, let's say, or public yeah. transportation of some kind, and you feel a little dirty. Uh, coming a in, hockey be, game, be, be, a hockey game where they've thrown around a lot of beer. Yeah, what, whatever it might be. But those yeah. times when I have, you know, sporadically taken showers before I've gone to bed, I, I, in all honesty, I have slept better. I honestly yeah. have, and I haven't been yeah. going back and forth with the hot and cold. But you know, that's a great suggestion. But I've just and been taking a standard shower, but and that it's helped me sleep. It really yeah. has. And if you can't, so thank you for the correction, because I don't mean to suggest that people have to take the hot and cold shower right before sleep. If you can take it in the morning, should you shower most mornings, or any morning that you shower, and as part of your shower routine, after you shave, shampoo, wash your body, whatever you do in the shower, don't tell me, I'm not going there, you finish the shower with hot, cold, hot, cold, that will have effects on sleep. The hot cold shower does not have to be right before you go to sleep. Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I got I got one more last thing I must tell the listeners and you here. Please write this down for longevity and aging gracefully. Ready? What's on your bucket list? People who have clarity about what their life purpose is and are in touch with what fulfills them. People who have something they look forward to. Mm-hmm. And yep. live into that during the day. They're not just waking up to make money. They're not just waking up because it's another day. There are lots of scientific studies, amazing cellular biochemical scientific studies, on the relationship between people who are in touch with their life purpose. What am I doing here? No, Besides... It's that almost, has an enormous effect on aging when you're in touch with what your spirit and your soul is asking for. Uh, ab- absolutely. I mean, uh, I think it's important for everybody to have something to look forward to, correct? I, yeah, I mean, you correct. know, I look forward yeah. to different things, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, going to sporting events, that sort of thing, or, you know, you go, going to a, you know, a, a play or a musical production that I want to see. Or visiting yeah. visiting family and friends, I mean, yeah. I think everybody should have something to look forward to. I, in fact, I look forward to uh, doing this show every morning. Yeah. yeah, one of the biggest things that's missing for people as they get fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty is community. The loss of people dying, the loss of friends dying, the loss of people yeah. in your church and temple dying, the loss of people in your Elks Club or who, you know, whoever you're, you know, the loss of your political people dealing with loss and not replacing it with a different kind of community, reinventing their life. And as different pieces of the community they were involved with get chipped away, that has enormous effects on people's loneliness and feeling separate. And that's something that can be, if we support one another, you know, as we get older, to cheer people on, Ken, call me, invite me to go to one of your hockey games so I can take pictures of you smiling. And you're, you're, I just see you on Facebook. You're like a man celebrating life. You just love those sporting events. I, I, so I try to celebrate life every moment that I'm, I'm on the planet. 
I, I try yeah. to do that as best I can. As best I can, Dr. Barry. And and that's why you're aging gracefully. I love I'm it. I'm trying anyway. I'm trying. Dr. Barry Taylor, always. There's never enough time. And uh, we'll have you back again soon to even expand on this because uh, there there's so much to talk about. But I think pickleball may be the salvation of our society. You know, pe- people are, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, people that are up there in age are, are doing you. that and getting involved in the community through Absolutely. that. Meeting people, uh, getting yeah. great exercise at the same time. I think pickleball yeah. is going to be the salvation of our society. Doctor, right, you heard it here first. I, okay. Dr. Barry, thank you so much, as always. God bless. Talk, Take care. Be talk safe. to you soon. Dr. Barry Taylor, Bye. love your body, your path to transformation, health, and healing. DrBarry.com. Thanks for joining us. Kalen Company Live, WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental.